You know what that music means. We're back. This After about back. a month off. Exactly a month off, actually. It was 28 days uh, since the last one we did, which was on February 6th. Today's March 6th. We are now back. College Gridiron, Nick DeLuca, Matt Costantini. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. The gang's all here. Glad to be back with you. Got a lot to sort through, guys. A big weekend at the Combine. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But I think I wanted to start with, on our last episode, we talked about Kyler Murray, the decision he was going to have to make. And, of course, as fate would have it, a matter of days later, he made said decision he's going to go play football. That's a big move for him. He's probably going to get drafted pretty high. There's been talk about him at number one, which is wild. I hate it so much. I hate that narrative. It makes me upset. <laughs> really? You hate it? I mean, we'll get into why, but, yeah, I do not like it's it. It's happening. <laughs> we, look forward it's happening. To, we look forward to that, but, guys, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with Matt. My my thoughts on this, I'll get into it a little bit later, but I, I think Kyler Murray, he's going to get more money. We talked about this last time. It'll be interesting to see where he winds up because he, he could get taken very high in this draft, and I think there's a lot of teams that want him. Yeah, uh, to kind of start off, we all expected this to happen. As soon as the Oakland Athletics allowed him to play his senior season at Oklahoma, everyone kind of figured that this was going to happen. He went out, won the Heisen Trophy, became a top quarterback prospect, and is now in the NFL draft. Like I said, we all saw it coming. Um, In terms of where he's going to get drafted, he's obviously going to be a top 10 pick. He is, to me, one of the top quarterbacks in this class. Um, There are teams like the Giants, the Redskins, the Jaguars, even though they're talking about picking up Nick Foles in free agency. Uh, there are plenty, plenty of teams that are looking for quarterback help, and while I stand fast that this is not the year to go after quarterback help, they're going to do it anyway, and he will be a top 10 pick. I think he's going to go number one. I really do, and I think he's going to go to the Arizona Cardinals. And Look, there are a lot of smokescreen, flashy things that will come about at this time of March, and we see it happen every year and everybody and his brother is rumored to be the number one pick to be trading up to this is the rumor, this is the guy that they like. It's all smoke. But I think that especially when dealing with a player with the personality that is Josh Rosen, even as opposed to some other players, right? I think if it were Baker Mayfield, it might be a little bit different because Baker may be of the mentality that I'm going to go out and I'm going to use this as motivation. I don't see Rosen as that same type of player much to the the point, and, and there was a sort of a stink on, on Instagram, I think it was, that he took down all of his Cardinals posts, uh, and, and people make a big deal out of that. And, and that's fine, and that might you might be reading too much into it. That might be nothing. He's just doing it for the aesthetic. <laughs> sure, right. And, and I just think that at some point, I don't know what the, the benefit of potentially, if, if they convince people that they're going to take Kyler Murray and they can – fool a team into trading up with them because of this great and elaborate scheme in the smokescreen. It might be, it might not even be worth it depending on, they could get two first round picks back and the compensation that they get might not be worth what they have done in terms of damaging the relationship with Josh Rosen. So I think that there are times for smoke screens and that there are things that are thrown around, but I just don't understand if this is a smokescreen. I just I don't think it is. Is what I'm trying to get at here because there's just there's no way that you can risk damaging this relationship because I don't think you can go to Rosen and say privately, "Hey, we're in your corner, but we're just trying to sell this up." 
I don't think it's believable. I think it has to be true because you are really hurting yourself if it's not. You know what I mean? If you go back to Rosen, even at this point, I think the bridge might already be burned. I think that the Arizona Cardinals have really done Josh Rosen dirty in this whole situation. They they went into last year, they hired a former def- defensive coordinator to be their head coach, not the person you want to groom your first-round quarterback. Uh, they gave him zero to no help on offense this year, which made it didn't even start him until they were like, wow, Sam Bradford's really bad. We forgot about that, and we probably should have started Rosen from the beginning. And... And he didn't he didn't do great when he played, but again, that's because he had Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, and then a bunch of dudes on a field. And now you're looking at trading a guy that you took in the first round last year to pop to potentially take a quarterback that your new head coach made an offhand comment about because he didn't expect to be in this position six months later. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think that they need to roll with Rosen to see what you got because right now, no team is going to give you a haul back for him because you have you have zero leverage. It's not like he's forcing his way out and says, "Hey, trade me now, or I'm not going to play." Like Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, uh, his contract's not expiring, so you can't just just sit him and then he's going to go. I don't see you getting more than a second-round pick, maybe a third out of him. And you have way more needs than quarterback when you're drafting at number one overall, is my opinion. I don't think that they should go with a quarterback, whoever it is, at number one, because there's way better players available. So so my read of the situation is that yeah, I think Steve Kime is, despite what he's done over the past few months, a pretty smart guy. And I don't think he would have said Josh Rosen is our starting QB for now if there wasn't something there. Because I saw Lewis Reddick was on ESPN saying something basically to that effect where he said, GMs don't just say these things. You know, there, There's something behind it. There's no point in him saying that if there's not something legitimate there. And Nick, like you said, and I have to agree with you on this, you know, you're going to damage the relationship with your star quarterback. It's the same as when the Lakers said, oh, everyone's available for Anthony Davis, and then they didn't wind up trading everybody. And now look at him now. And they're, now they're going to miss the playoffs. Like, that's that's the way it goes, and you just can't do that. So I think Arizona's so far down this road, they might have to take Kyler Murray, which sounds terrible, but if you're going to damage the relationship with Josh Rosen, who, by the way, I still think could be a really good quarterback, I see a lot of what happened with Jared Goff in Josh Rosen. I'm, I'm still a belief that, that Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in last year's class. I, I actually, to an extent, I think I agree with that. And that's a that's a pretty hot take, but I, I really believe that, although having seen what I saw from Baker Mayfield, I might have to go with yeah. him. But, well, we'll see. But those two, I think, those two are both really good. Yeah. And I think Rosen's in a bad system. He's in a bad system with bad coaching, and Cliff Kingsbury might be the guy to fix that. I don't know. But that, that's another fascinating thing. But Cliff Kingsbury was the guy that just got fired by Texas Tech because he couldn't win enough. Yeah, and now he's supposed to win at the NFL level. Uh, it's a different. It's a different animal, though. I, I, for also just 
I'm, I'm not going to ignore the fact that you guys both just said you thought Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in that draft. Sure. So I, so yeah. I just I, we're going <laughs> to leave that where it is. But I I don't have time to flip out about that. Well, you were you were a Baker guy, right? I am. I was a huge Baker guy. I think Baker has, and and we saw it this year. He's just too darn accurate. His arm strength is too darn good. He, he's a heck of a football. Player. No, no, he's I'm, really I'm good. No, I like Baker. I love he's Baker. Super good. But I, sure. We all love we love sure. Baker. I'm here. still I'm still mad the Jets didn't get a chance to take him. I really am. Yeah. I mean, I like Sam Darnold. Don't get me wrong. I'm kind of mad he didn't get to go to New mm-hmm. York because that would have been a Category 5 hurricane. But anyway, <laughs> Nick, go ahead. I'm no, I, I just I think that your your criticism of, of Kingsbury is fair, but at the same time, it's just it's a different and, – and you hear guys, and, and it's, it's talked about in trying to draft players, trying to project them how they'll play in the NFL. You hear guys talk about all the time. It's almost a different sport. So Cliff Kingsbury's responsibilities as a college head coach include recruiting, include trying to figure out how he's going to get – a top quality defensive coordinator to come to Lubbock in the face of how much money does he have at his disposal from boosters and fundraising and who can he take and who's interested in just coming to play for Texas Tech, which is not a huge program. And I'm not saying you can't win there. Mike Leach did, but it's not, it's a different animal now. Now he's going to be working with his offense. He has Vance Joseph, who presumably is going to be a quality defensive coordinator candidate, right? He, he should have his head on straight and, and know what he's doing. And he's got somebody else who's bringing in the talent. And there's a lot of things that go into being a college head coach. So your criticism, I agree, is fair. And it's an outside-the-box hire, but at the end of the day, what we've seen and what we've seen with Sean McVay and what we've seen uh, with with Matt Nagy in Chicago and with all the new offensive head coaches that are coming, you need a quarterback to win in this league. You need young quarterback. You need to capitalize on young quarterbacks. And if your quarterback's good and you can find a coach who can make your quarterback good, the rest of your team's going to be good regardless of anything else. So, so if Cliff Kingsbury's a glorified quarterback's coach who you have to make the head coach in order to get him, then that's what you do. So why not keep the guy you drafted last year instead of going immediately to a different quarterback? Because quarterback is too valuable and too important and crucial a position to make a mistake. It just it just feels like that team, though, is trying to undo Everything they did last year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's insane. And it's like, this is, if you take Kyler Murray, that is a bigger risk than taking Josh Rosen. I really believe that. Sure, but at the same time, if you are afraid, if you have any doubt, if you have any doubt that Rosen's the guy, and you think that Kyler Murray is, you have him rated as a franchise guy, and you have a sliver of doubt that Rosen may not be that guy, you, it doesn't matter what you gave up last year. It does. The quarterback position is too darn valuable. You go and take Murray first overall because just quarterback is too important. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It to might see. not be fair to Rosen, by the way. Yeah. I get no, it. It's not but real. at the end of the day, no. the NFL he's, isn't fair, right? I bet the I bet the the Miami Dolphins wish that they weren't as fair to Ryan Tannehill yeah, as they were. Could be. It could be, and you know we'll see where that winds up going. But if Josh Rosen goes somewhere else and is successful. Cardinals are going to have to live with that forever. And yeah. if Kyler Murray is not, it's they're they might set themselves back twenty years. <laughs> twenty, yeah, <laughs> could be more. Uh, that you know that would kind of lead to another interesting discussion, I think, because we talked a little bit about Kyler, and there's some disagreement, I think, on where he's rated and and what people think of him. This is kind of maybe a bit of an odd question, but if you're drafting, if you're an NFL GM, at what point do you start to be willing to take? Kyler Murray because there are rumors of him at one there are rumors of him later in the first round are you willing to take him at one or do you want to take him later Matt 
I'll start with you. Is there, in your heart of hearts, do you would you be able to justify taking him number one if you have a lot of needs, or would you wait till later? No, I think the earliest that you can look taking him is number five because if he gets to number six, I think the New York Giants will take him. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you're the uh, Washington Redskins, um, maybe even. The Oakland Raiders, to an extent, if they don't fully believe in Derek Carr, I think it, I, I don't think they take him at four. I think they use one or both of those picks later on in the first round to move back up into the top ten and take him. But yeah, I think I think the earliest you're looking at is number five to jump the Giants. I think that well, I said I think he's going to go number one, and I think he is deserving of going number one, and he was the best quarterback in college football last year best player in fact that's what the Heisman Trophy tells you so for me I have no issue taking him number one he comes from a great program and a great teacher and a great coach in Lincoln Riley he's not Baker Mayfield they're different players but Kyler is extremely athletic he can move but he's a pocket passer first his accuracy down the field is excellent he has the ability to create off schedule plays and I'm a huge fan of his ability to throw with anticipation. And I think that's part of what comes with being a shorter quarterback. And he's short. He's 5'10", no denying that. But I think we have to get past the size. He was the top-rated college quarterback against the Blitz and the top-rated college quarterback on third and seven-plus. So he has excelled in tough situations. He is battle-tested. I get it. It's one year. But that combination I think makes him the number one pick the best quarterback available again in a league where you have to have the quarterback now it's not because I don't think that he's the best quarterback in this draft because as we're going to get to later I do I just think that the teams that are drafting in the top five right now they have such bigger needs than a quarterback and with the the with the insane talent of the defensive players that are projected to go in the top five or even the offensive linemen that could go in the top five I think that the value for them, those teams and those players just match up too well to take a quarterback that highly. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You. You know what? It, it's. You could be passing up Saquon Barkley for a guy who might just be who who might be a franchise guy on the fringe, right? But it's still worth it to have the quarterback. I'm telling you. It just it just is. I've seen it the other way. I hate to, you know, I'll, I'll bring up my hometown Buffalo Bills for a second here, right? But they did it that way. They drafted E.J. Manuel, and he didn't work out, and they moved to Tyrod Taylor. Their team and their roster was really, really good. They had Sammy Watkins. They had Robert Woods. They had Marquise Goodwin. They had Chris Hogan. Heck of a receiving core. And then LaShawn McCoy at running back. The weapons, the weapons, the weapons. Offensive line was good. They had Richie Incognito for a long time. Eric Wood. A solid team up front. Cordy Glenn. Cordy Glenn yeah. But they didn't have the quarterback. Tyrod Taylor was the game manager. Wasn't that good. And, and they, in those two and three years, they didn't do anything. Right? And then it sort of falls apart and you're not able to keep the team together. You want to win consistently. It's about the quarterback. You see that with Tom Brady year in and year out. Right? How many pieces leave? Who, how, how it's it's a revolving door in New England. A lot of personnel changes, especially on defense and on on the offensive side of the ball as well. How many different running backs, receivers, whatever. The one, con, the two constants are Belichick, right? But it's really a product of Brady in terms of he's the guy that makes the offense competitive, and they they win championships when they get enough in other areas. But they're competitive every year because they have the quarterback. And this is going to sound obvious because it is, but since Kyler Murray did not participate at the combine. Yeah. It's all going to come down to what he looks like at his pro day. 
and and I don't love that too because we were we were talking this time last year. He needed to go. He needed to do everything in the combine. He needed to put himself up against the quarterback, especially Dwayne Haskins, who did perform at the combine and performed very well. Not only on the field, but from what I'm hearing, he performed very highly in his interviews. And those are huge, too. And that's, some people are saying that that's even more important than what you see on the field sometimes. I thought it was a very big misstep for Kyler Murray not to perform at the Combine. So, so last year, I railed against Kyler Murray, and this will get more into some of our Combine talk. I railed against Sam Darnold last year yep, same. for not going to the Combine and throwing. And I wanted to see him do that, and he didn't. And we were talking at this time last year, like, well, how far will he drop? Teams didn't really care. No. So I don't think that's an indicator that, oh, he's going to plummet in the draft and whatever. It's not. It's not. I don't think he will. And the thing is, too, they're going to see him at his pro day. The pro day is doctored. Okay, let's be oh, real. Yeah. The pro day is doctored to what they can do, and he's going to do the things he's best at, and he's going to look great, and he's going to wow everybody, and they're going to say, oh, yeah, that's a top five pick. And to be That's f- what's going to happen. To be fair, what he did with the combine was get measured, and that's probably more important than anything he, he could have He won the combine yeah. right there. Yeah, he five, won 10. the combine as soon as he w- as soon as soon he measured in 5, 10, and an eighth with nine and a half inch hands. And he walked out of the building, and he said, that's it. I'm gone. See you at my yeah. birthday. Yeah. That was it. Exactly. I'll, I'll also say this, and maybe I shouldn't say this on a college football podcast, but I absolutely hate the combine. I, I think You're it fired. really just... <laughs> what, you sure, don't like the Underwear Olympics? I I mean, that's fantastic. But <laughs> look, I, I don't... It doesn't do much for me, and I think it's too much of a distraction, actually. You see these NFL GMs get so hung up on this, oh, can, you know, great, DK Metcalf uh, runs a four three three and has 1.6, you know, body fat or whatever the heck it is, right? But his shuttle time is slower than Tom Brady, right? So you look at the... You look at the uh, the measurables and all this stuff, and it distracts you from the film, right? Uh, John Ross runs a four-two-two. Great, Cincinnati. The guy can't play football. He's not a good football player. He's a runner. Right, he is yeah. a runner. So I, I don't want to hear, and, and this is what drives me nuts, and quarterbacks, oh, okay, so I'm just going to sit back and, and great, I can throw a ball to a receiver on a script in a, in a field house. But at the same time, what can I do on film when I'm facing a four- or five-man rush? I'm, I'm facing the blitz. I'm getting different looks. I'm playing against a team that's better than me. How am I handling when I'm, under, when I'm facing live bullets? I, it's just all about the film to me and, and the, the combine, really, especially for quarterbacks. Maybe the interviews, and maybe that's the biggest part of it. But anything on the field for a quarterback in particular does not mean anything to me. First of all, can we talk about how if DK Metcalf actually has a 1.6% body fat, that he'd be, like, dead? <laughs> no, really. Like, I, yeah, that's, that's a what real, they said. That's I, a I, real, I, well, I love the narrative, but it's just not possible. That's not... he. They said That's it was 1.6, I thought. No, that no, that, that is, what, is what they said, but like his health has to be at serious risk if he's at 1.6%. I know. Yeah, I, no. Well, the, my first reaction was I'm amazed at how close we are in <laughs> percentage, body fat percentage. But So I was on – I don't remember if it was the NFL subreddit, but – they were having, they were talking about Deacon Metcalf and his 1.6% body fat, and there were people coming in who were like, yeah, I know I was competing in Mr. Olympia, and I wasn't even at, I was at like 6% body fat, so <laughs> the people with the best bodies on this planet are not even remotely close to 1.6. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, that's just unhealthy, but... I wanted to get your guys' opinions because we, we could laugh about 1.6% body fat. <laughs> That's not the stuff that matters. I mean, it is. It might be, but it could be. it's really not. And, Matt, I'll start with you on this one. You know, 
Combine, big event. What were you most impressed by? Because there were a lot of guys who tested oh really well at this Combine. If there's one thing that stood out to you, and, hey, it could be more than one thing, what was it? It's it's how well and how talented the defensive class yeah. this year is. You look at anybody from the, the defensive linemen, the edge rushers, the linebackers, or the cornerbacks, and you have franchise-level talent top to bottom. You look at Montez Sweat, who ran a faster 40 than than most of the running backs. You have Devin Bush and Devin White just looking insane. Rashawn Gary, a lot of people are concerned about, but he looked really good. Ed Oliver got slapped in the stomach a bunch by his spotter when he was doing the, the bench press, which was hilarious, but he looks like a monster. Uh, Greedy Williams really stepped up and showed that he's probably going to be the number one cornerback taken. Um Jonathan Abram, God, there's just so many good defensive players, and at the very top, it is Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams. They are the two best defensive players in this draft. I was going to go with Quinnen Williams. Yeah. Uh, that dude is 300 pounds. Is he 6'5"? Whatever it is. And he ran a faster he, 40 than Sam Darnold. He yeah. ran a 4.87. Yeah. Uh, that's just incredible. And Sam and, Darnold's and his, not slow. No. And his 10-yard, he was cl- it was Aaron Donald numbers, okay, uh-huh. and and. And I knew that Quinnen Williams was a game wrecker, and we watched it. We talked about him many a time throughout this season and certainly leading up into the national championship game. But that was the one for me that was like, whoa, because you sort of forget about him a little bit because it's always been Bosa's the consensus number one, and then it's the quarterbacks. It's where is Kyler Murray going to go, and could he go number one, and where's Haskins going to go, and who's going to trade up to try and get him? And... There's never any talk, almost none, that I've heard anyway, about Quinn and Williams. And I think that it's he may. And it is it's his position. Shame, but it's his position. But he may be the best player in the draft. And, wow. and I am about ready to say he's going to be because that's incredible. And it's about the 40, and that's great. And it's, it's not about the 40. And I just got done talking about how I don't <laughs> like the combine. But that's the one for me because it was sort of just a reminder how much of a freak this guy is. And I think he's got a pretty bright NFL future ahead of him. So first of all, I'll just say I've been into this stuff for almost probably about 10 years now. Never seen numbers like this. No. From guys this big and this fast and strong. It's unreal. I mean, our athletes are just getting so much better. (laughs) I was having a conversation with my roommate about it, and his question to me was, at what point do we reach – the peak human form, and I think we're getting there. I think I think the human form is peaking with Zion Williamson, <laughs> but we are seeing it in college football and these athletes that are coming into the NFL that are just insane athletes. They could do whatever they want and be good at it. It's really incredible. It's really incredible across sports. I think it's really amazing. But the guy I love, and he didn't even test that well compared to these other guys. Maybe my favorite player in this draft, he might be the best player to me too, is Josh Allen from Kentucky. Yep. He's a guy, he's a high IQ player. You watch his film, you say, wow, this guy's going to play at least 10 years in the league at an all-pro level. I mean, he's really that good. And he's a guy completely got lost in the shuffle this week. Because if you look at Twitter, all of the hits are about DK Metcalf, Montez Sweat, Devin White, and all these guys who I think are good, except I'm not terribly high on DK Metcalf because I think I don't think he does things that are indicative of what good the receivers best straight do. line receiver in NFL history. <laughs> he reminds me a lot of Brashad Perryman, another yeah. Ole Miss wide receiver who is a straight line wide receiver, and he comes in with more questions because of his neck surgery. So I I like him, but he should. I don't think he's going to be high. 
but another one of my favorite narratives of this of this combine was how Jonah Williams was going to come in with tiny little T Rex arms, <laughs> and he got measured higher than uh, Joe Thomas. So I think he's going to be all right playing a tackle spot and not having to move inside to guard or center. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting too. And another guy I hadn't heard about really at all this week, Jonah Williams from Alabama. Yeah. These are guys that just a fell. Con- a consensus top top offensive line. These are like all Americans completely falling off the charts because you've got, you know, DK Metcalf as the top rated, rated wide receiver, linebacker, <laughs> offensive lineman, defensive lineman. And then you've got, you know, some of the other guys in Haskins test. And even Haskins, there wasn't a ton of buzz, I don't think, no, around him. I, they were just talking about his uh, about his interviews. Yeah, and his 40 time, which establishes definitely more of a runner than a thrower. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that take. But, no, but it's really it's really true. And I think, to your point, Nick, I think what this week taught me is, yes, you can test well. Yes, you can run fast. Yes, you can be strong. I think the film's still the most important thing. And granted, you know, when we post this podcast, I'm thinking of instead of posting our logo, maybe we'll do the Tom Brady, you know, photo <laughs> of him and his boxers when he's getting <laughs> measured. That's not a bad idea. But, no, but it's true. I think the film is really the most important thing of, like, what can this guy do? How is this guy on the football field intellectually? Josh Allen's got those things, and not that the other guys don't, but it just goes to show you that if you're not an athletic freak and you don't pop off the page in your measurables, you're going to get lost from that 24-hour news cycle. And it's kind of sad to me because now we're all we're going towards the shiny thing, yeah. right? The shiny thing is DK Metcalf being huge and, and you know, Kyler we don't talk – And Kyler Murray's pro day and Dwayne Haskins, I wouldn't call that a shiny thing, but – you know, guys like Sweat and guys like White, and we're not paying attention to what's important, and I think that's that's the problem. Now, I don't know if that's indicative of NFL teams and how they draft, but I think that's a problem. One thing that I, I, I agree with you, there's a problem with how talent gets brought into the spotlight, and, a, and an entire group of prospects that kind of got shoved to the to the back or were the running backs. Yeah. Uh, Granted, there's no Saquon Barkley, there's no Sonny Michelle this year, but I'm not very convinced that there are going to be any good NFL running backs out of this year's class. Uh, I know there's, um, I know there's Damian Harris, I know there's Josh Jacobs, and there's Benny Snell Jr. as the as kind of the consensus top three. Daryl Henderson out of Memphis, yeah. Too, yeah. But n- no real good forty times. Justice Hill from Oklahoma State had a four four which isn't ideal. It doesn't show breakaway speed, which is kind of what a lot of people are looking for now. They don't want guys that will just kind of go up the middle and and kind of fight for yards. So might be unfair, but the running backs as a whole did not impress me. Yeah, it was it was really odd. I I but I there's no Zeke Elliott, there's no Fournette, yeah. there's no Saquon Barkley in this year's class, and that's just the way it is. I mean, I think Josh Jacobs is solid. I think he's the best running back yeah. that's coming out, but be interesting to see where they wind up with that. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe nobody takes a running back in the first round. I don't honestly. think I don't think with the depth of defensive yeah, players, yeah. I don't think a running back goes. And I also think it's important just just to bring this up too that part of the 40 time and people make a big deal out of it and and I usually don't unless it's a 4-8 for Elijah Holyfield, right? That's <laughs> that's that's what the heck's going on. Yeah. But regardless of that, I think it's important to just, again, watch the film but understand the game speed for some players, right? There are some players who may not run the best 40s. They may Their speed may not jump off the page, 
but you watch them play and they're outrunning people the whole time. You brought up Josh Allen. Well, I'll go with the other Josh Allen to use all my Buffalo Bills <laughs> references up in one show, right? But Josh Allen, the quarterback, ran a four seven five. So I don't think anybody came into the to the year this year thinking he's going to run the way he did, right? He goes at he he ran for a hundred yards multiple times outrunning spies against man coverage yeah. so it's more about what happens when you get the pads on as opposed to what are you doing in your in your shorts or your your boxer contest here <laughs> because it it matters and and i'm wondering if we'd ever get to a point where guys would run 40s in in equipment because i think that's more an, more of something. an accurate yeah, representation of how fast these guys are in actuality as opposed to uh well I can I, I'd be good like Usain Bolt I'd make the U.S. track team but. yeah I want I want to see these guys in their full equipment after they do like an hour and a half workout I want to see them when they're tired what they're what they'll look like in the fourth quarter of a football game not after they haven't played in a month and a half and probably more for some of these guys and they're they've been coached up of how to run the forty right because that I I remember watching. It was some documentary on ESPN a while ago about about these draft prospects and how they get ready for the combine. It might have, it might have even been about Tim Tebow, and it was him with his with his coaching staff, and they were literally telling him how to run the forty better. See that is it. that where we are? That's where we are. Like we're we're telling kids how to run better instead of how to play football better it's yes really because there are millions of dollars on the line yeah. it really it really started with the whole Todd Marinovich Robo QB thing and then it just built up from there and now that's how you have the combine being shown on ABC and getting huge ratings I don't hate the combine I, I just, love the combine I like I the combine a lot weekend. but it's just it's to a point you have to take it with a grain of salt how many millions did John Ross win by well he got an island two? he got an island <laughs> yeah he an island <laughs> so yeah. I can't play football. They can't. But we've got about five minutes left here. We want to get into some positional rankings. You gotta start with quarterback, right? I mean, there's no other of way course. to do this. So let's go around the table. Nick, you're the freshman. I gotta put you on the spot here. So top five quarterbacks top, in this draft. Top five quarterbacks. Uh ooh. So I'm gonna Everybody go, I think knows who the first two are. So I'm gonna go Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins one two. So I know that that's not been the same thing. I, I have to go then uh, Daniel Jones has got to be three. And then, I, see, this is this is tough because you get into the guys who, and, and I don't love the depth of the last sort of two. I think, I think Will Greer has to be four. And then is it, uh, who's the kid from North Carolina, uh, NC State? Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley, yeah. is he five? I mean, the, to me at this point, I don't see much from... You don't like Drew Locke? Ryan Finley. Uh, no, I really I really don't. Uh, Drew Locke's he's he's got a good arm. Yeah. And maybe he'd go five. Maybe it wouldn't be Finley, it'd be Drew Locke at five. But I, I'm I'm not impressed with the back end. I think it's really in, in actuality the one two punch. It's gotta be Murray, it's gonna be Haskins after that. And there's talk about those guys potentially going in the first round. But uh, I'm not a huge fan of anything past Murray and Haskins. Do I really have to give you five? Do I have to talk about the guys that well, are you not? You can give me three. You can give me two. You can do whatever you well, want. Well, I would have just gone with two. Yeah. So, done. so that's I, the board. So right now, I'm I'm with you, Nick. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, one, two. Um, uh, I'm high on Murray because I like his athleticism. And I like what what I've seen from him. 
Uh, I'm not thoroughly impressed with Dwayne Haskins. I think that he is a very system quarterback. He's going to have to go to the right team to to thrive in the NFL. Uh, I know a lot of te- I, I know a lot of people want the Giants to take Dwayne Haskins. I don't see a fit. I think they with the offensive line problems they have, they need a mobile quarterback like a Kyler Murray or at least someone that can use his legs. Unlike Dwayne Haskins, who is who, have, who we have established is not a running quarterback, contrary to what Stephen A. Smith was trying to tell you. <laughs> hey, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Hunter Henry, <laughs> Derek Johnson, let's go. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, 1-2. Jeez. Um, I mean, I guess Daniel Jones, because he's from he's from Duke, and they have a they have a quarterback guru down there, I guess. Which it doesn't make a lot of sense. I haven't produced any good quarterbacks. Um, and then I will go with Drew Locke at four because I am a I I do believe that he will be a serviceable NFL quarterback who will be picked in the first round, even even though he shouldn't be. Uh, and then Ryan Finley slash Will Greer. Uh, I guess I'll go Will Greer because I got a lot of friends that go to that go to West Virginia. <laughs> so I want to build up some good sound logic. There. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so my top five, I'm going to do something different here. I also have Kyler at one. Putting Daniel Jones at two. That's okay. I'm putting him ahead of Dwayne Haskins. I'm not huge into Dwayne Haskins. I watched that Washington game, and there was too much. What was that? I'm really with you. I'm not big into Dwayne Haskins. I'm not either. I have him lower than a lot of people. So I got him at three. What do I have at four? Will Greer. We'll go Will Greer at four uh, because he's solid. And then uh, we're going to go... Let's go Ryan Finley at five. I don't like Drew Locke either. Isn't that, it? He's a Derek Carr knockoff. That's the problem. Isn't it crazy how far Jared Stidham's fallen since yeah. last season? No. People yeah. were thinking that he was going to be a top quarterback taken last year, yeah. and now he's not even like one of the best prospects. It's really, it's almost sad in a way. But go to the draft, My, Matt Barkley syndrome. Although <laughs> Stidham didn't get injured, but yeah. Well, guys, great show. It's great to be back. It really is. We gotta do some more of these before the <laughs> NFL draft. It's not get too crazy, but. For Matt Costantini, Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon.